Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Daylight Savings. First two services is really good, but you guys are probably having the lunch thing going right, right? Like, it's like that hour, you know, you got an extra hour of sleep, you're thinking of lunch right now. Glad you're here. Glad you remembered. Uh, so hopefully we'll be bright-eyed and ready to go for this morning. So if you're here and you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Let's get going and open your Bibles up to Psalm 139. That's where we're going to be this morning, Psalm 139. And we are kicking off here this morning a three-week series on prayer that we're calling Dangerous Prayers. As you're opening up there, when it, when it comes to praying and we think about that word prayer, it's just such a big uh, word, isn't it? It's such, there's so many different ways that we could go when it comes to prayer. It's just a huge topic to cover. Uh, but here's what I want to say. No matter what you think about prayer, wherever you're at in your prayer life, maybe you think you're good uh, in the prayer life compared to other disciplines, maybe not so good. Uh, maybe some of you feel like you're pretty consistent, at least in that area, maybe not so consistent for others. But wherever you land, I'm going to kind of set the table up for us here for a second before we get into the first dangerous prayer we're going to talk about. And maybe for some of you, kind of get you on the same page with everybody else, or, or maybe for others, maybe ease you in uh, on this subject of prayer uh, when it comes to praying. So here's the first thing that I want us to know. Here's the first thing you need to know. God wired every single one of us to pray, that you, you are actually coded and wired to pray. And see, that one thing alone sets us apart from any other created thing. There is an internal thing going on when it comes to praying with us and God. There's an internal thing that no other created thing gets to experience. See, like frogs don't pray, you know, animals, clouds, trees, worms, they don't pray. So that differentiates us from any other created thing by God because we are made in God's image. You see, and if we're made in God's image because of that, every one of us, we're made to communicate to God. So it's just so important to understand that about our lives. It's just really huge to know about you, that you are wired, you are coded by God to actually pray. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing that I think we should all understand and know is, is that all of us can improve in our prayer life. Every single, I, I really rarely come across, most of us wouldn't say that we're amazing at praying. I've never come across somebody who goes, I am unbelievable at praying. I've never had that. Usually when I ask somebody how their prayer life is going, it's, I usually hear one of two things. I hear, I could be better, uh, or, you know, it's not where I, I want it to be. That's what I usually hear. Um, a lot of us maybe don't feel as confident as we want to be. Maybe a little inadequate, or maybe we don't know what to say or how to say it. So we're all wired to pray. And we all need help. That's why we need to investigate uh, this topic together and challenge ourselves in our prayer life. And because of that, I believe that what we're going to talk about in the next three weeks has the potential for a lot of you here to be a very big spiritual breakthrough in your journey with God. I really think that there's a potential for this to be a huge breakthrough if you go through with these dangerous prayers that we talk about in the next three weeks. Because here's the truth. Here's the deal for some of us in here. Our prayers are way too safe and comfortable, aren't they? They're just so predictable. You know, we, we pray things like, God bless this food, or, or you know, help me, or, or be with me. And don't get me wrong, those are fine prayers, but I just think we're too safe in our prayer life. I know sometimes when I look at my prayers and things that I pray, when I step back from those, I sometimes wonder if God hears some of my prayers and wonders, really, Andy, is that all you got? Is that all you're trusting me with? Is that all you're asking me to do? So here's what I want to do. For the next three weeks, I want to challenge us all to actually get rid of our safe prayers and be challenged to bring in these not-so-safe ones, these risky, dangerous 
prayer. So here's how we're going to do this. I, I know what I'm about to tell you is not going to sound right in church. It's not going to sound right, but I'm going to give you a pass here over the next three weeks. So for the next 21 days, here's what I'm going to let you do. You get the pass for this to be all about you. I know that sounds weird in church. We're usually all about God and other people, but this is actually about you and God because this is about you being bold and courageous enough over the next three weeks to ask God, search me, not my neighbor down the street. God, change me, not my boss. God, send me, not someone else. See, that's why these are dangerous prayers. And the first one that we're gonna focus on this morning is a prayer that David prays in Psalm 139 where he asks God, search me. I don't know about you, but when I think about the phrase, search me, being searched uh, isn't always a comfortable feeling or process sometimes, is it? When uh, my son was one, uh, I was actually off uh, out of town on a conference. It was one of the first times that I was away from him for more than a couple days. And so I was a little bit nervous about it. But, but then I get a text from Cordy, my wife, uh, a picture that she sent me that she found a tick on his head. And I hate ticks, okay? Like I can't. And so I was like, great, I knew I shouldn't have ever left my son, right? And I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I, I, it, it just consumed me. I, was, I just couldn't. I was flipping out, to be honest with you. And as soon as I got home, like I could not even sit or relax until I had Henry on the floor, clothes off, and I was going through his hair like the monkeys on National Geographic do. I just, it was not comfortable for him, okay? Like it was, unco- the searching was not, co- it was probably not necessary, I'm, I know that. Like it was, I mean, this was days after, but I, I hate ticks, okay? Just wasn't necessary. But, but sometimes being searched, though, it is necessary, for my benefit or for my health. It's kind of, I think about when I go to the eye doctor, it's a little uncomfortable for me because they just, they get a little too close to my personal space, okay? Like, here's, like, if I can hear you breathing out your nose, you're just too close to my Andy space, okay? Like, I just, I don't want to know how that nose breathing works with you, man. You know, so, but it's necessary, right? They, they, they need to see how my eyes are doing and the health of my eyes. See, this, this right here is what David gets at with God and his life. So let's get there. Let's go to Psalm 139. And this whole psalm is actually a prayer. It's an awesome psalm. One of the challenges you have at the bottom of your service, guys, there is is every day this week to go through a prayer thing, to read all this psalm. But we're going to focus in uh, this morning on the last two verses of this psalm. Let's see what David says. In verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I wonder if you've ever prayed a prayer like that. Not just kind of came across it and thought it was a good idea or just read it one day, but have you ever really prayed to God like that? God, search me. Search the depths of who I am. Root out anything that's bad, God. Show me my thoughts like you see them, not like I see them. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? It's a dangerous prayer to ask God to search you like that because if you ask God to search you like this, if you ask him to show you a different way to live, gang, he'll do it. It's a dangerous prayer. And it's dangerous too because maybe sometimes what we think is we kind of feel like, you know, we have some things in our life that we'd rather God not see or maybe not know about it. Or what would he do if he really knew that? Or or what would I do? What would it mean for me if that actually is true in my life? So instead of actually dealing with it and letting God have anything or addressing it, I'll just stuff it away. I'll kind of hide from it or I'll act like it's really not there. But here's what we need to know about God, though. This is what we need to know about God. And it's actually how David started this whole prayer off in Psalm 139, when we think about, man, maybe we can hide from God. Here's what he says in verse one. He says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with 
all my ways. Gang, God already knows. He already knows everything about you. And so maybe you ask, well, okay, Andy, I mean, if God already knows, well, then what's the point of asking God to search me? Well, here it is. This is the point. The point is that this is all about having the courage and the willingness to submit to the searching process of God. And, he, and not so he knows. You submit to the searching process of God, not so he knows. He already knows, but so that you know. And see, when you do know, when you do understand how he knows you like this, see, then your relationship with God will take off and become more powerful with the knowledge of how much grace and forgiveness he actually gives you in your life. So no matter how comfortable it is, David is saying here in this psalm, he's saying, you know, it is actually far better for God to search him out like this and expose what's going on than to let sin go unchecked and kill the things that are so precious in his life. So that's why he wrote this psalm. So what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to take a look at this and break this down into four parts, into four different parts to see why this should be a prayer in our every single day life. And it could be, like I say, for some of you, a breakthrough uh, in your journey with God, if you actually take on this prayer in your everyday life. So the first part of this prayer that David says, as he says, if you're taking notes, number one, as he says, search my heart. In verse 23, he says, search me and know my heart. As I've been studying through uh, these prayers over the last couple weeks and months, I, I actually uh, d- dig in a little bit to the root words. And I, and I love the root word that I came across uh, in this psalm for search. The root word for search, if you're taking notes, means to dig deep. That's like that root word. It means dig deep. I love thinking about that. So he's saying, God, don't just look at the surface, but I I want you to investigate my heart. I want you to be an investigator of my heart. This is so key to the whole thing because what we're asking God to do here, here's what we're asking God to do. We're asking him to reveal divine knowledge about our hearts. And here's the thing about asking God to give us divine knowledge about our hearts. You see, divine knowledge will take us to a place that we won't normally go for our own hearts. We, we are asking God to give us something that we don't really uh, uh, normally go with in our own hearts. Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. One of the most common things that we hear about people or when we talk to people who are doing that, we say, oh man, she has such a good heart, right? She has such, or when we see somebody be kind or, or do these generous things, we say, man, he has such a good heart. But here's the reality. This is the divine knowledge. The divine knowledge is that nobody really has a perfectly good heart. That's, that's the divine knowledge. In the book of Jeremiah, here's what the prophet says about our hearts. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. That's what what he says about our hearts, that that we have a desperately sick heart. And here's the thing, gang. Do you know what's true? This is what's true, actually. I'm going to put you these. You already know this about you. You already know this about you if you really think about it. We don't really want to think of ourselves as being deceitful or that we have a false heart. But what's really true is that we are so, just think about it, we are so apt to lie and be deceitful that we actually lie to ourselves all the time. Think about it. So how, how many in here would say that you're a law-abiding citizen, right? You don't even have to raise your hand, like just say you're law. But you speed all the time. Don't even start, you liar, okay? I, know, I see you, okay? I just see you. And why do I believe myself? When, and I tell myself this. I, I don't even know why I believe myself. When I say, you know what? I'm going to have only one Oreo. I, it's never one Oreo. I lie to myself all the time. And I'm like, well, maybe two. And then I'm lying already. It's not two. It's more than that. Why do I do that? Or that, you know what? I'm going to start tomorrow. That never happens. We lie to ourselves way more often than we want to admit to anyone. Every one of us struggles with this. 
We just sometimes, gang, listen, we sometimes just deceive. This is what Jeremiah says. We sometimes deceive ourselves into believing we're a little bit better than we are. The other day I was driving down the interstate heading home from Charleston. And uh, I was in the passing lane and I got behind a car that was going a little less than 70, okay? But what was even more infuriating was that he was driving at the same pace of the car beside him. So I was stuck going less than 70 behind both these cars. And so, you know, I throw out the, come on, let's go. I was tired, you know, because they could hear me, right, when I yell at them. So I was like, yell, come on, move, right? I just want to get home. And so it finally clears for me, and I, I pass them, and I just want to let them know I love them. So I laid on the horn for like four seconds, just like four seconds. I saw, I did it. And I looked over just to see, and, and I had kind of blacked out and forgot that Courtney was with me. And uh, she was looking at me with this disgust on her face, like, you sickened me. Like, it was like such a look, and I'm like, I know, I know, right? And, and, you know, I wish, gang, I could tell you that was years and years ago. But it wasn't. It wasn't too long ago at all. And, you know, I tell you this, and, and honestly, though, uh, it's funny, but, but when, I, when I think about who I am, you know, not, not a pastor, but just a follower of Christ, you know, it, it's, it's embarrassing to admit that to you. It really is. But, see, my heart is so deceitful. My heart is deceitful that I believe that I'm actually better than I am sometimes. So search me. Search my heart, God. Show me what you see. Don't let me lie to myself because I know I'm pretty good at lying to myself. So if you pray that prayer, it's a dangerous prayer, gang, because if you pray that prayer, see, God will start uncovering things to you. But here's the payoff. The payoff is this, that you will get closer to your heavenly father through doing this searching process. You will get closer to him. Second part of this is test my thoughts. In verse 23, David goes on to say, he says, try me and know my thoughts. And so right away, what we need to see if you're writing this down is, is there's a difference here. There's a difference between the process with my heart and my thoughts. Do you see this? Is that there's a differentiate, or there's a fundamental difference here in the investigation done. The heart, he's saying, the heart gets searched, the thoughts get tested. The heart gets searched, my thoughts get tested. And what this is getting at is this, is that my thoughts, what I'm thinking, is a product of what's going on in my heart. It's a product from my heart. So how you think, like what you're thinking, what you're thinking about, listen, guy, is a test of how your heart is doing. So God, test me in that. Test my thoughts. Show me my thoughts. So let me ask you, what makes you anxious? What keeps you up at night? What kind of keeps your gears grinding where you can't stop thinking about whatever? What's consuming your thoughts? What are you fearing the most right now? In your life, and why this matters so much in this one, gang, why this one matters in such an important part of this prayer is because so often what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. You see, where we're anxious the most in our lives, that's just revealing what we're not trusting God at all with in our lives. That's where, where, where our trust is so lacking. So, is it failing? Is that a fear? Is that anxiety? Is it failing? Is it, is it succeeding? Is it, is it that, you know, that you'll never get married? Is it money? Is it kids? Is it, is it losing this thing? Is it your job? Is it career? What is it? So that's one important. Here's the other reason why it's so important to test your thoughts, to see and get these worried, anxious things exposed. Because here's the thing. These things right here, these worries, these anxious thoughts, these things, they actually have the potential. They have the potential to be a barrier in your ability to take steps with God. 
that fear and anxiety can build walls. They can build walls in your life to keep you from making significant process and progress with God. And see, gang, that's where a lot of us are this morning with our thoughts, that there is a blocking of the flourishing life that God wants to give us. And sometimes we wonder, why, why can't I get there? Man, I'm telling you, sometimes things like this build these walls up. A few years ago, uh, and it was right around the time when we started having kids, uh, I was recognizing some issues that I was having in, in my own life. They were some, some anxieties that were coming up and they weren't going away so easily. They used to go away pretty easily. These anxieties would come up with me and, and I, I found out later what it was, but it was through my wanting to be a good dad. And I, I didn't know that at the time, but that's where it was stemming from. And, uh, and I recognized that these weren't going away. These weren't regular fears. These were a little bit more intense in my life and I couldn't shake them. And so I turned to God with these anxieties. They were kind of crippling me at some points in my life. And, and I just happened to be, by the grace of God, going through a Celebrate Recovery step study with some really trusted people in my life. And God started working with me. And, and you know, what he started doing is he started showing me something that I had actually built a barrier in my life for two decades of my life. And, and God started showing me these things. And, and, and what I understood is I never fully dealt with this thing going on for two decades. I thought I did. I thought I dealt with it. But it found out, it just turns out I was really good at burying it. I was really good at burying so this thing in my life. And so as I started working with God and I started allowing him in, I began experiencing something that I really never experienced before in my life with this thing. And it was this, gang, it was relief. I, I never experienced relief from that turmoil that happened in my life. And it was incredible the weight that I felt come off of me as God showed me healing and restoration. Gang, I'm telling you right now, in your life, in your marriage, in your circumstance, when you start to allow God to take captive your thoughts and get to the root of your anxieties and fears, that's a life changer. He'll change your life if you let him do that. But it's a dangerous prayer. Like I say, this is not a prayer that everybody normally does. What most of us end up doing is saying, I'm fine, when you're really not. That's why it's a dangerous prayer. It doesn't take courage to deny it, gang. Listen, it doesn't take courage to deny it. It takes courage to face it. So listen, I know full well that facing it isn't easy, and, and we tend to run away, we tend to deny, but, but I'm telling you, we can't be, the Bible says you cannot be driven by fear. You gotta be walking by faith. You can't be walking by faith if fear is running your life. Where fear is high, trust in God is low. Jesus says, cast all your fears and anxieties on me. So when they come, I allow God in. I allow God in on those. So test my thoughts. Third part of this prayer is uncover my sins. We see David here in verse 24, he says, and see if there be any grievous way in me. And, and so this one right here, uncover my sins, I think in Christianity, like we, we feel like this one's so basic with Christianity, right? We, we feel like we nail sin. We're like, we nail that. We're like, and so we're wondering, like, this is so simple. Like, isn't it true, like, if I'm sinning that I kind of know? Like, I mean, when people sin, I mean, don't they know it? And a lot of times, gang, listen, we don't. I'm just, a lot of times we don't. Here's the reality. There are real blind spots in our lives when it comes to our own sin. Now, we're really, really good at pointing out everybody else's sin, aren't we? We're awesome at that. We're like, sin, 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 me. No way. Like, that's what we do because we have blind spots in our sin. And here's the thing about blind spots. I don't know if you've ever thought about this about blind spots. The problem with blind spots is that you can't see them because they're blind spots. That's why they call them blind spots. You can't see them. So, so we need God to uncover these for us. One of the ways that, that I process this in my own life, and I tell you guys about this a couple times a year, is that I'll sit down and I will write a confession letter to God. 
I'll sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and I will just start writing out. Here's what I know. Here's where I know that I'm sending God. And I'm telling you guys, listen, there's something to writing down where God will just start exposing other things. When I ask him, what else is there? I mean, I know this one and I know that one, but what else is there? Where, where, am I, where is my peace being disturbed? By the way, that's what sin is. See, that's why God harps on sin so much because sin is disrupting the peace that he, that he can bring in your life. That's why he doesn't like sin. It disrupts the peace that he wants to give you in his life. That's why it's so important that we understand the difference between sin and having this freedom and peace in Christ. They don't go hand in hand. And as I write, I'm telling you, I challenge every single one of you, and I'm going to do it again, to sit down and start writing a confession letter to God. Get, get a piece of paper, get a journal, get a pen, sit down, carve out some time and write down the sins in your life that you know you need to recognize to a holy God who loves you. And then, and then you can just ask God, okay, what else am I hiding? Where, where am I being deceived? Where, where, where is the peace being disrupted in my life, God? Where am I pretending? And God will show you. God, show me my sin. That's one way that it can be uncovered. Another way that, that it can be uncovered is through trusted people in your life. Like, you need someone in your life who you trust and, and who is bold enough to actually call out the junk in your life to say, that's not okay. Like, what that is, you need to change that. Like, do you have that? I'm not just talking about your spouse. That's an important piece, but you need somebody else that is willing to, that you trust enough to call out sin in your life. Do you have that? Do you have somebody like that? Let me tell you something. This is such a dangerous prayer, gang, I'm telling you. When you have the courage to ask God, show me any offensive thing in my life, God. Show me where I need to get these things pointed out. See, here's the thing. God wants to expose them. Did you know that? He wants to expose them. Not to make you feel bad or guilty or feel pain. God wants to expose them because he knows that you will not find peace in those things that you're doing. That's why he wants to get you to another way. He wants to get you to a better way, which goes to the fourth point of our prayer here and how David ends is that he needs to lead us to a better way. Lead me to a better way. In verse 24, David says, lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in a better way. So the first three parts here are kind of things that, that we allow God to do in our lives, right? Expose me, show me these things. Like, let me see what you see. And then this one right here, this one has to do with action. What are you gonna do, right? What are you gonna do? So if your heart's full of fear with that one thing going on in your life, what are you gonna do about it, right? I mean, if it's full of these thoughts that are causing you anxiety, like what are you gonna do? If your heart is full of anger, what are you gonna do? If it's greed or envy or, or lust or, or if it's a critical spirit, what are you going to do to break out of that? James 1.22 says, I love this. It says, don't just be listeners of the word. Do what it says, do what it says. The next verse goes on to say, like, you know, if you just, if you see, if you just listen to what the word says and you don't do anything about it, it's kind of like when you look at yourself in the mirror and you see what's wrong, you know, and you see what's wrong, but you just walk away and you don't do anything about it. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of like, the way I make sense is like with my kids, when they eat cookies, like when they eat cookies or donuts with frosting, and there's frosting like all over their mouth, and they don't care. They're like, let's go to church. Like, they just don't think, I don't do that, right? Like, I... I look in the mirror and I see the ring and I do a wipe. I'm just saying, like, you get a wipe out and wipe it, right, to look better for, for, for your job or something. I'm going to go with a frosting face to church, okay? That's what kind of was getting at. So show me what's going on. And when I see, this is, about, this is what it's all about today. It's about seeing something that's not right, gang. It's about understanding, hey, this isn't beneficial to my relationship with God. So what are you going to do about it? That's what this is about. What are you doing something about it? 
What are you going to do to take these things and actually turn them around in your life? Here's the good news. This is the great news if you read this psalm again, and the challenge is to read the whole thing tomorrow. But David says, you know what? I'm not alone in this. God, he says, God, you lead me. Like, you lead me. Get me out to a better way of living. I'm aware of it. Now show me what to do. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer to have God search me like this on a consistent basis. I thought that was a a great way to start, a good way to be challenging for us to have God search us like this. So I thought what would be fitting this morning with this prayer in mind is to end with communion. Communion is is one of those outward expressions that we take part in to show that we're believers. It celebrates what God has done in our lives through the death and resurrection of Jesus and and here's the thing, I realize that as we're getting ready for that, I realize that in a room this big, that not everybody here is a believer in Christ, that, that you're maybe in different places with God, and, and we know that, and we're, so, we're just so glad you're here. Uh, but it's vitally important for us, and it's vitally important that you know something when we do this, that no one can really enter in to experiencing any kind of forgiveness of God unless you've confessed Jesus as Lord and you surrendered your life over to God first. I pray you do that today. In a minute, we're gonna be passing the elements, and as soon as they're ready, they're gonna be passing that. But uh, if you're here and you wouldn't consider yourself a leader, we just ask you, you just pass those elements by. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's, nobody's really making any adjustments. But we're actually glad you're here. We, I really do hope that you come to a point of understanding that, that this whole life is about surrendering your life to Christ. That, that, that there's something there that God wants. He loves you. Just know this, God loves you. And he offers this gift of forgiveness to you, but the exchange cannot happen. It cannot happen unless you place your faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So I pray you do that. And if you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you. Come find me. But uh, if you're here and you are a Christian, the team can go ahead and start passing those elements. If you're here and you are a Christian, just know this. This is great to know. God's forgiven you. Like, listen, you're totally forgiven. And so communion is a part of time where we celebrate that. We celebrate that. And it's also a time to allow God, listen, to search me. Search me, God. Find these things in me and so we can confess these things in him so he can forgive us and, listen, lead us to a better way. First John 1 John 1.9 says this to the believers. He says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm gonna ask the band to come up and they're gonna play here in a little bit, but here's how we're gonna do this. Uh, and, and so if you're a follower of Christ, we ask you to take the elements that's going by. Uh, you don't have to be a member of River Ridge Church to take communion, but we do ask, you, you do have to be a follower of Christ. You have to be a member of, of the church, the church of Christ. So you have to be a member of that. So once you get it, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you a few minutes uh, with no singing, just kind of this undertone going on. Carol's gonna play something. We just, we just don't ever really do this. I wanna give you a few minutes of time just to, to sit and be in God's presence, just for a few minutes. And I wanna challenge you with this angel prayer to ask God, search me. Just, just search me. Examine my heart. Show me things that I am not aware of that I need to confess. And then you can ask God, God, examine my thoughts. Examine me. Where am I afraid, God? Where am I anxious? Where am I worried? Where are these things that need exposed? And, and then you can ask him, show me my sins. Show me my sins. God, where am I out of peace with you? Where, where is the peace not being there with you, God? Is it anger? Is it greed or whatever? Envy, lust, whatever. Expose those sins to me. And then here's the thing, gang. Listen, you can confess them. You can, can God will show up. God will show you. You can confess them and allow God's grace and forgiveness to come pouring in. And listen, and just lead you to a better way, to a better way. 
The bread is a symbol of Jesus's body that was broken for you and the juice is a symbol of Jesus's blood spilled for you. When we take this, it reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice and it leads us to being thankful for the forgiveness we have when we confess now and forever. Nobody's gonna tell you when to eat and drink, but I do challenge you to just take a few minutes here when I come off the stage just to be in his presence. Ask him to search you. God, we give you this time. Just take it and pray for this in Jesus' name.